Welcome to the Art Studio Insights Podcast, where we demystify the creative process and exchange ideas with career-minded artists. We are your hosts, Adriana Amay and Jackie Sanders. We are two emerging artists sharing for the advice and business lessons we have learned along our journey. So if you're not already, please go ahead and subscribe. This will help other creatives like you find our podcast and you will be notified when we launch a new episode every Tuesday. So today's episode, we are following up on last week's Transition Moments episode, and we'll be highlighting Adriana's Transition Moments. So this series is part where we will really just be discussing those pivotal moments of change that happen as a career-minded artist. So whether you're shifting day jobs, what your dominant income stream is, or just trying to shift your mindset, these moments are really where you change direction as a career-minded artist. So Adriana, to get us started, how would you tell us a little bit just about your background? Did you go to art school or were you more self-taught? <laughs> okay, so going back way, way back, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, like many artists, and you mentioned this on your episode as well, and I know many artists say the same thing. Um, I mean, I've been drawing, sketching, painting as far back as I remember. Um, yeah. And on top of that, my grandparents, they had a business where they sold printmaking supplies and equipment, and they also had fine art supplies. And I would spend the summers there. So on top of that, I had access to coloring pencils and oil paints and all kinds of materials since I was a wee little thing. Um, So I've been around art and artists, because obviously the place catered to artists. I don't know, as as far back as I remember since I was a little kid. Um, I've always taken classes. So growing up, I took different art classes, but when it came time to college, however, (laughs) I wanted to go to art school. However, being that there was a family business, and if any of you listening know anything about a family business, you know too, Jackie, because I know your family has one. Yeah. A lot of times they mean well, but they kind of want you to follow in their footsteps or they don't. Um, mine did. So they kind of made it where um, I had to go to business school. It's what that boils <laughs> down to. Um, I don't regret it at all. Uh, while I was in college, I did take painting and art classes and things like that. But uh, my major was actually in business administration and marketing. Um, And as part of that, I also took, um, there was a pilot program at the time for small business creation. So actually that turned out really well for what we're going to be talking about. But um, I took that as well. So we would go into making a business plan, making a marketing plan. And essentially it was like how to be an entrepreneur, um, you know, type of pilot program where you would work with yourself and how to wear all the hats. So actually sometimes you know i did kind of regret not going to art school but you know fast forward to today for a moment i'm like i'm actually glad that i did and i took those courses because it's it's been huge um but yeah Yeah. those are my humble beginnings (laughs) yeah definitely and i think that's a very common narrative for a lot of people especially creatives of okay they might want to pursue it but it's perceived that okay business school might be more dependable for getting a job, more practical marketing. Um, But I think it's perfect, just like you were saying, in terms of if you can pivot it to benefit you, as you clearly have, you kind of get the best of both worlds. So you graduated college. And what did that look like right after when you entered the real world? Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, after college, there were two giant, giant Oh my goodness, giant changes in my life. The first one was leaving the bubble, right? That that school does for you. So yeah. college a lot of times, and at the time I lived at home, so actually it's a double whammy right there. Um, a lot of times in college and, and living at home, you have like the support network basically built in, you have these deadlines built in, you have accountability right. built in. Um, so you, you don't have to worry so much about where you're going. It's kind of clear, right? So as a college student, your goal is to graduate, right? And on a more short-term basis is to do what you have to do to pass your classes, you know, and like do your homeworks and things like that. 
Um, and if it's painting class, how many paintings do you have to do for a specific assignment? So it's very predetermined in a way. Yeah. And going in, you already know what that goal post looks like. Um, mm -hmm. But <laughs> not only did I leave, you know, the family bubble and the college bubble, I moved countries. <laughs> yeah. Talk about a shift. <laughs> yeah, so I went from going, you know, I went to the Universidad de Puerto Rico, University of Puerto Rico in Rio Piedras. So I went from a college that was in Spanish, where most of my friends, we mostly spoke in Spanish. My textbooks are in Spanish. I mean, we all watched movies in English and listened to music in English and to everything else, right? So we're bilingual. But I went from that and, you know, home cooking and like the, the weather that I knew, everything that I knew. Right for all of my life and flip flop that completely around landed in North Carolina. North Carolina. <laughs> hey, I had an aunt that lived here at the time. So that's how that happened. I would not say this was my first choice, although I do love it here. It was not my first choice. It was either <laughs> San Fran or New York City. Yeah. But here we are all these years <laughs> later. This was uh, 2007. It's been some time now. It feels like it was yesterday. But um, yeah, my post my post school world was so different. Yeah. And then on top of that, uh, moved here. I wanted to get a creative job. I'm like, this is why I did marketing instead of finance or accounting or mm -hmm. any of the other concentrations. Marketing was the most creative within business. And I mean, all I could find were like sales jobs that I would not recommend to anybody. Um, <laughs> but then I ended up working for a bank. At the time, it was Wachovia Bank not in a branch it was in their corporate offices so that was cool in their call center not so cool so <laughs> <laughs> hey it was a great place to start and then um funny enough you know i used to be a spendthrift oh really and i ended up working in the uh investments retirement area so literally about saving money for the future so anyways yeah. that's kind of that's like, about a, like as corporate as it gets <laughs> it is and it's kind of like i don't know it's like the universe had a joke with me on that one like oh you want to spend money okay how about we talk about spending money in the future as in you save it now it's like oh, sorry, ah, yeah so a lot of lessons learned um and it was honestly like the first kind of uh it was the first time i was in a corporate environment because even though i did work for my grandparents uh for a short term it's mm -hmm. much much different to work for a small business than it is to work with a company okay. that has like over two hundred thousand employees at the time yeah <laughs> all over the east coast all these branches all these corporate it, i mean it's just completely different so talk about <laughs> bubble bursting on a major level um yeah oh, for I, sure I, so I, like when yeah when you were working at that job were you making artwork or even with like within college were you making artwork in with the mindset of building a series or like, <laughs> how did, what did making artwork play a role in your life at that point did it at all okay so for better or worse <laughs> while i was in college i would say about six about 40 percent of my friends were from business school 60 percent or more were from art school so okay <laughs> um because i i mean i met a lot of them by taking electives in in the art department right yeah so um, you've always teetered that line like you've always had two feet in different rooms i, I, like, I have and i was it. I mean, at one point I tried to change my major to print making and my mother found out and about murdered me and made it, you know, <laughs> made me change it back. Anyway, so I ended up just doing business. I kid you not, I was going to do printmaking at one point. Uh, I was like, well, that's what my grandparents do. And she was like, yeah, yeah, yeah but that's to work with business. them, not to own the place. So she was like, no business. So I get it again, good intentions. <laughs> like it happens with a lot of people. Parents are, you know, doing their best. Um, but no, after, you know, when I was in college, I did make art. So I, I was painting, I was drawing, I was sketching, I was doodling. And again, you know, having friends that were doing art programs, so they were painting, drawing majors, art history majors, uh, yeah. were the kind of people I was, theater majors actually, uh, were the kind of people that I was surrounding myself with. It was good in the sense that I didn't have 
quite the art critique experience a lot of people have in college. It was a very different thing because these were my friends. So Right. we would compare each other's artwork um, and say like my boyfriend at the time, right, was a painting major. He would be like, oh, I have this assignment and I would be like challenge accepted. I want to do it too, but I don't Oh, that's get a awesome. grade, Yeah. but I want to try it. And he'd be like, oh, I got these new charcoals and I'm like, oh, I want to try it too. So it was kind of a, you know, by having those connections Yeah. to the art, you know, art school side of things. Uh, actually, some of my friends were in architect school too. So I got to play with their stuff, but it didn't have the same level of pressure than it would if I went in um, Right, into art if you school were making proper. it for a grade. Yeah, ex I mean, I did have the electives that did have a grade, but for the most part, it was almost like a side thing for me, right? Yeah. Um, I would have to say at the time, it really was more of a hobby, a very passion, you know, centric hobby. And if I had to do things like study for, you know, confession time, right? If I had to study for, oh my goodness, what was that called? Called uh, statistics for quantitative business structures class. Blah. Nope. Anyways, whoa. If I had to study for that or draw, you know what I was going to do, right? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I may have like <laughs> to spend some of those homeworks, but yeah, but that's um, a very productive hobby to have, though. I feel like of all the college things to be distracted by, like yeah. making artwork is like the most constructive thing to do. Yeah, and it, it helped me too because at the time I also had a part-time job. So I worked at Borders bookstores at the time, rest in Oh, pieces nice. Borders and GameStop. Um, anyways, fun, fun places to work at, but the hours sometimes would be a little wonky with college hours. So anyways, art was, has always been that respite for, for me. So yeah, in college, always did art. Moving over to the corporate world. So I came with big hopes, like a lot of people do, you know, I brought my art supplies from home when I came, you know, over to the States. And um, not only was I navigating a completely different culture, weather, food, everything, just and on top of that, a corporate environment, um, art slowly, to be honest with you, it slowly started to have less of a focus for me. So I would work long hours, you know, at our call center. This was around the time of the Great Recession, like literally I moved in the next year, the Great Recession started. So anyways, moving back was probably not the best idea. So I couldn't, so I was kind of stuck in place, trying to make the best out of the situation. And instead of turning to art, honestly, I wasn't, I, I didn't have Yeah. as much energy for it. So I would have gone from painting several paintings a month to maybe like a few paintings a year. That's it. Like it was really bad. Mostly while I took my corporate vacation hours, you know, that's when I would Right. paint. But outside of that, oh my gosh, it was it, the more stress I had at work, at work, the less I painted. But then here's what ended up happening for better or worse, you know, depending what corporate route you go. Um, And the one I was in, which was the investment, the investments in industry, I can't talk, but we're going to roll with it. Um, as you move up levels, as you get promoted, you get paid very well. So it Yeah. turns into what's called the golden handcuffs. Uh, and it Yep. happens in other industries too, where I had great benefits, great pay, amazing coworkers. I actually liked what I did. I'm kind of one of those artists that's like both left brain and right brain. And I, Oh, I yeah. love spreadsheets and presentations and, you know, I love all this technology and stuff. So I kind of went that way and it made it harder to leave. But then the stress just kept, it kept like, basically like, uh, it kept tamping down on my creativity. So it was, it was kind of this, I kind of felt stuck for the longest time. I felt like I couldn't go anywhere. Like I was in such a good spot. And if I kept on track, which A lot of times in school, and my business school certainly did this, had I not taken the entrepreneurship course, I wouldn't know this, but a lot of what we're groomed for is to be employees for somebody Yeah. else. Um, like I was gonna work with, for my grandparents. I mean, yes, eventually I would own, but you're working for somebody else. So I kind of found myself stuck uh, for years actually in that place of my pay is good, my benefit is good. I like my job, I like my coworkers. but this
yeah yeah I, I ended up stuck there for a while <laughs> yeah did you have I think that's a very common feeling and kind of that like this is good enough mindset um and especially the golden handcuffs because I mean that's how employers keep you working and keep incentivizing and like the analogy I made on my episode in terms of climbing the ladder so you want to keep just keep climbing the corporate ladder that's what you're told you're supposed to do until you get to the top of the wall and you're like why did I work so hard to get up here do I even want this and so what was that moment for you where did you have like one moment where you had an epiphany about what was happening in terms of your work and creativity pendulum, so to speak, or is it more like a slow awakening? Mm, I'd like to think of it more as the, the car alarm was going off several times throughout the years, you know, the neon signs yeah. were blinking and the, in the direction of art, <laughs> um, because I would still do things on the side. So I did a lot of different hobbies. Um, not so much painting, which is my number one passion and will always be, but like I would take a course on making your own garments. Why not? Yeah. Right. Or I would take a course on uh, leather working and I would go all in, by the way, like God knows how much yeah. money I spent at the time, but I'm like, I want <laughs> all the tools, all the things, and I'm going to do this on the side. And it was still a creative pursuit, but yeah, it's an outlet. It is an outlet, yeah. But then again, what started happening is like, that's not as fulfilling. And for me, at least personally, painting is where it's at. Creative hobbies are great and a great outlets, but they're not, you're not working towards something necessarily, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas for art, I feel like that's how I evolve as a person as well, not just the art itself. Mm -hmm. The other things were making products and that's different, even if it was right. just for me and friends. Yeah, um, it's almost like that difference of those classes or workshops were more so like learning a skill and using it as a temporary outlet than like, as we talk with so many artists, like making art and the process of it, it almost becomes therapeutic in a way or meditative. Like when you're truly in the zone making work that you're connected with. And so you were saying you don't find that with, you didn't find that with those other outlets. It always came back to painting. Yeah, so it kept coming back to that, but different things kept happening, you know, in my life. Some of them were at work. So for example, at one point I was creating the newsletter for my whole department and I got to put like puzzles in and images yeah. and like differences, like it was still creative. Um, whole department, like folks in charge of whole departments with hundreds of employees under them would ask me to help them with creative projects. One of them, we had to make this giant town hall, like event, over a thousand employees were coming and I had to make oh a version of Family Feud, but for our industry. Ah. I was the one doing the music, the PowerPoint, the games, everything. Yeah, so anyway, so it was a production. Literally, this thing was on a stage. I could not in an auditorium <laughs> a literal over production. a thousand. It was, it was. So that's anyways, awesome. so that's why I'm like, I kept seeing the signs because they would keep pulling me through to say, you don't just follow orders. You're also creative. And right. if we go, I have this idea. Do you know how to make it happen? And I'd be like, oh yeah, I know how to use Photoshop. I know how to use this program. I know how to use that. And right. I can put it together and make this thing. So they were like, okay, so you know how to turn it. But it, that was not enough, you know? So it just, again, it's like temporary fixes. Yeah, it was like little patches, little things that kept me going, but still not enough. So um, I think one of the first, and I don't like to talk about this, but we're going to because whew, that's what this is about. Yeah. But a few years back, I lost my mom. That was a huge one for me. Yeah. It left this giant void, this giant hole. Um, I kind of make the comparison. My husband's my sun, my mother was my moon. So it was just Aww. this, yeah, woo, um, moment that I went through and I had this giant hole and I started painting a little bit more as a way to process some of those feelings, but still not enough, right? It's still, yeah. I started questioning a lot of, I lost her suddenly. So that's when you start questioning and she was, you know, relatively young. So you start questioning the what's the point what am i doing kind of like that comparison you did of the ladder before it's like what am i climbing up towards 
I had yeah. up until that point been considering doing a master's degree in MBA in finance because that's the industry I was in. And I was like, what's the point of that? Do I really want to be like working on Wall Street? Like, like, where do I go from here? So just kind of turn it around. That honestly was one of the biggest moments for me, but not quite where the transition happened. More things kept happening mm -hmm. where it just kept popping in again. It was like the neon signs were flashing, but I was like wearing the blinders and not looking that art is my calling. So uh, some of the things that I encountered, one of them was a podcast and I can't remember the name of the podcast because it was a while ago, but they had an exercise about writing your own obituary. I know it sounds grim, but it it's good. It's a good exercise. I promise. Yeah. And it makes sense with where you were at that time too, like why that would stick out to you. Also. It did, you know, you're in that, you're in a sad place, right? You're in a mourning place, yeah. you're processing um, all these different things. And it just got me to thinking of, or, or part of what was impactful, it wasn't just like the writing of the obituary part. I mean, again, that sounds kind of grim, but it was the idea behind saying, okay, where are you now? What do you do? Kind of like you were talking about setting up your level with a four hour work week, basically establishing that baseline. Where are you at? And what do you actually want to work towards? And part of that exercise right. was to say, what's your legacy in the world? And that's what got me. That's Whoa, where I was like, yeah. hold up. My legacy is I work for somebody else who's building their own legacy, right? And, you know, as part of that, there's this um, saying that I encountered and it just stuck with me. And it, it, I found it around that time. Um, I'm rephrasing it, but it basically goes along the lines of saying, if you don't spend time building your dream, you will stop spend time building somebody else's dream. Yes. And it just, yes. oh, oh, building Talk somebody about a else's gut legacy. Check. Oh my Ugh. goodness, yeah, especially with my last job, which I very much enjoyed. I was working with financial advisors who are building a legacy for their family and, right. for, and for the people they work with, and I'm there supporting them. And it's great, you know, like I'm helping build something else, but it's not mine. So it just got to that point of like, okay, what do I do? However, up until this point, I never thought of art as an option for me as a career, right? Mm -hmm. And I think part of what changes during this time of searching and just going, you know, here and there, part of it was um, I was out on vacation, super mega random story. I don't think you've even heard about it, Jackie, but here we go. <laughs> it ties in, I promise. Um, I was out on vacation and my husband and I, we were, you know, out there. We met this uh, Irish guy and he said something that just stuck with me and this honestly this is part of when this whole thing when the snowball effect started um but he basically said something along the lines of when you work for somebody else you're giving them units of your time and your time is finite like you don't know how long you have on this earth but you have a set number of time units in your life right again yeah. this sounds grim but it's true um it's true. and he basically said when you work for somebody else you're exchanging some of those time units for money now mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's bad to work for somebody else honestly for the peace of mind of having your rent taken care of that's not a bad thing that's not a bad exchange but he basically said just keep in mind they're paying you the least amount they can for that time unit. So you better make sure it's worth it for you because if if you're too expensive, they're going to find somebody else to exchange yeah. the time unit for some, you know, doing the same thing for less. And it just kind of stuck with me and I mean it was just like again another punch to the gut. Anyways, yeah. fast forward to, you know, a couple of years after that and that just, you know, kind of stayed with me. I found this um this class for intuitive painting and it said all levels welcome no experience necessary kind of thing and i was like well i know how to paint already but i'm interested because it's kind of said it had a lot to do with letting go and experiencing different things and oh jackie let me tell you this <laughs> class by heather gurney um if you're local to the area she's not paying me to say this i love her it's amazing um taking this class honestly was it that was the the that the was one of moment. the big yeah that was one of the big points because and and she it's that was not the intention of the class either by the way it was a byproduct <laughs> yeah. of the class 
I finished the class. It was like a 10 hour workshop over two days over a weekend. Yeah. And on the on the way back of the second day, I'm crying in the car. My husband's like, what's going on? And I'm like, this is it. This is what I'm. Oh, my to goodness. Do. Like, like what we just went through the class, there were some self-limiting beliefs that had been built up over my corporate career of, no, you can't do this. Plus, yeah. there's all these artist stereotypes and tropes out there of starving artist mentality. And, you know, and it just helped me realize, okay, this is it. This is it. Why have I been ignoring this all my life? This is what I'm meant to do, but how the oh. heck do I do it? So, you know, during that time, I started researching it and I encountered this Japanese concept called Ikigai. Um, long story short, there's a book out there about it where they were interviewing octogenarians, folks that were like in their 80s and 90s, you know, and yeah. like in parts of Japan. And wondering how the heck do these people live so long you know what can we yes. take from it but anyways uh long story short the concept of guy is you're looking for the intersection right not and this is not woo, -woo at all actually it's it's awesome um it's very you can make this very practical very practical it. yeah the the way the concept breaks down or roughly translates is you're looking for the intersection of you know what do you love you know, to do, um, what does the world need? What are you good at? And <laughs> what can you get paid for? So for me up until that point, that yeah. was my problem was that last one with all these artist stereotypes, artists, creatives don't make money. How do I get paid for this? So is this really my calling? So anyways, after that class and learning that concept of Ikigai, I just kept you know, running into this idea of like, okay, is it possible? So, <laughs> so essentially, here, here's what I had to do, right? I was, I was like, okay, I need to find a way. I have to find a way. Is this even possible, right? So my big pivotal moment was that realization of, I know this is where I need to go. I know this is what my goalpost is. But I just don't know how to get there. That that was that was the big thing for me, honestly. Yeah. So you have this, which is such an amazing story too. <laughs> and Heather is so so sweet. Um, I've met her once or twice at exhibition openings, and so that, I mean, that's amazing. You were able to have such a pinpoint moment, like with her workshop, and then crying in your car, like this is it. This is what I need to do. But like, what did that transition look like for you? Because spoiler alert to the listeners, <laughs> she does not work at a corporate job anymore. And so what did preparing for transitioning to be a full-time artist really look like? Because you have this awakening and then, yeah, it's like, now what do you do with it? What am I supposed to do to make it happen? Yeah. So it's like, after all those different, you know, again, it was like neon signs and once the blinders were removed, so to speak, <laughs> I still didn't have the confidence to leave my job. Um, I mean, it was such a risky move, but I was at that intersection of like, I can't ignore this anymore. If this is my calling, right. the piece that I'm missing, the biggest piece that I'm missing is, because I was like, okay, is it good for the world? Yes, check, right? I think it is anyways. Um, yeah. It can bring you joy, it can bring you respite, you know, from from the craziness of our world. So I was like, okay, I'm good there. Um, that's something I'm definitely passionate about and have always been passionate about. And then are you good at it? And I'm like, well, you know, if I'm not, I can learn. Um, right. But and you're already I, taking workshops and like yeah. feeling in your practice. Yeah. So, so I knew, I was like, I know this is something you can build upon. So yeah, uh, it's a skill you can learn. Nobody's boring painting let's be real so I'm right. like, it's a skill you can build upon as long as you have the passion and tenacity for it but i'm missing the money part can you get paid for it so what i started doing is like you jackie i also make changes once i have a solid foundation of research <laughs> yes <laughs> calculated so, risks to calculated ensure risks. that you been that your odds of success increase <laughs> well and again when you have a job that pays you well and right, you that's have good coworkers, and you like your job. It, that's really hard, right? I think right. It, it helped me that it was a high stress job, so that was part of like 
you know, the, the poking in the arm, you know, kind of to keep going. Um, had it been an easy job, I don't know that I would have quit, to be honest. So what helped me was I interviewed other artists. That was that was part of the key here. So I started talking to other artists, going to places like ArtSpace, going to places like the River Arts District in Asheville. Um, for those of you closer to Virginia, there are places like the Torpedo Factory that you may have heard yeah. about. So it's buildings full of artist studios of different disciplines, of different levels. Um, and I just started asking business questions, you know, coming from the business world, you know, they a lot of them were taken, you know, uh, <laughs> taken by surprise that I was like, I don't care what brush you use, I don't care what paint you use, and I don't care about your technique. I just care how do you make a living out of this? Um, do you make Show a me the spreadsheet. Yeah. Show me well, the spreadsheets. Yeah. Well, maybe that was a little too invasive for like first meeting, right? But um, <laughs> yeah, and so to clarify, so when you say you interviewed them, you didn't like schedule an appointment and no, have a formal interview. You I just like visited their studio. Yeah, I just I just dropped in essentially during open hours. Um and you know, most of these kind of like where we are over at ArtSpace, you can just walk in during open hours and artists are working and you can say, hey, you know, can I come in? And you do and you ask questions. So that's exactly what yeah. I took advantage of that these spaces are like that. But instead of asking about the art, I wanted to ask about the business of art. Um, so I would ask questions like, what are your main income streams? <laughs> really like, a business brain. Oh my goodness. Like I remember one artist, um, you know, his name's Peter uh, Rue, he's up in, in Nashville. And I remember just sitting down and he's like, yeah, yeah, sit down. You know, I'm going to paint while you ask me questions. I'm like, okay, great. And one of the first questions I asked him, what percentage of your income is from galleries versus in-person versus online? And he just looks at me like, is, is that the question you're going to lead with? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> we're going in, we're jumping. Anyway, so artists like him and i met many others like him um they were the minority honestly of the people that i talked to were so open about talking about the business side some of them were like oh i work this job and this is a side thing but right. i did meet more and more where they do this full time and that's what i was interested in is like how do you do it full time and then right. on top of that okay are you full time but eating ramen noodles every week like, right. let's be real. And like, how you know, will your quality of life be shifted? Yeah. And here I'm encountering these artists and they're like, they're living very well. And they might even be the sole breadwinners of their families. I'm like, wait, hold on. So you right. have like wife, kids, you're paying car, you're paying house, you're paying all these grocery, everything was just yeah. your art. Amazing. So these artists were either matching or exceeding what your corporate income was. Exactly. And that was part of it because I was like, okay, if I can come at least close to what I'm making now, I'm okay. But if it's way under, then the hubs and I are going to have a conversation <laughs> about like, how are we going to make this work? Right. You know, does he make enough to pay our bills while I build this kind of situation? Right. But right. so luckily for me, at least, and I know this is not the case for everybody, that was my backup plan, you know, that I had somebody that if I didn't make enough, could still support me until I yeah. could reach the point to replace my income, right? So yeah. anyways, long story short, um, as part of my preparation was talking to these other artists and being able to realize, okay, it is possible and I can possibly replace my current income. It won't be overnight, obviously, but I can replace my current income and even exceeded yeah. with an art business. Are you crazy? What? Anyways, it took talking to several artists to realizing, to letting it sink in my brain, it is possible. And then that's when the official preparations began. <laughs> so for official preparation, what did those things look like? You still were at your corporate job and you knew this is something you wanted. What did you actually do to prepare for your transition out of the corporate world? Well, besides the artist interviews, I, one of the first things that I did is I set a date and this is huge people. If you're, yeah. you're thinking of doing this, you need to set a date. If you don't schedule it, you can end up in the same job for years and years and years and never leave. Right. In my particular case, I had already been at that job over five years or close to five years at that point. And I basically gave myself a year 
I said, I have a year to prepare to make this big change. I'm going to balance the two somehow. But even though that means kind of like what you were talking about in your transition episode, even though that means double hours, right? Almost like two full-time jobs. For me, what it meant was knowing that I had a date made it a little bit easier to manage when I had those times when, oh my gosh, I have no time to do anything else because I'm doing two jobs already. Um, right. So what I did in preparation of it, um, I was waking up early, crack of dawn, so to speak, um, painting before I went to my corporate job. And then when I came back, I actually cut out Netflix and I could have like, the TV would be off like a whole week. I kid you not. Um, because I would take that time I would normally use to watch TV or browse the internet or whatever, mostly to make art. That was part of my preparation was to start a body of work. Um, yeah. Part of it too was saving money. Uh, so I started putting money aside for my job. So if I got like a bonus or anything little extra, I would just sock it away. I started stocking up on supplies. Um, so I was like, I don't know what it's gonna look like <laughs> when I start. And I'll tell you about the year in a second because that makes a huge difference into this conversation. <laughs> um i started stocking up on supplies so if i found a good deal on an easel or on canvases or whatnot i started buying them and just putting them in the garage um in preparation for quitting um taking workshops so it's a little bit easier to justify a workshop when your current job can pay for it and you don't blink yeah. twice about the cost of the workshop versus you're relying on your art income and then you're going how many paintings is that worth? how many paintings do I have to sell to afford that that's a whole different conversation so yeah mindset. so I took a whole bunch of workshops um I networked with a lot of artists that's how I met you Jackie hey yes. um, <laughs> um I started researching local events um I did my first market and then I even got lucky enough I did my first solo show are you kidding which is uh, so, huge That's yeah so it was exciting. huge it was yeah it, yeah I mean it was amazing it was a rude atmosphere and I had over 30 paintings on display insane um but being able to build both of those things and this is before the year was over so I was just like I was riding this cloud like the right. show was in September I had already decided you know in advance that I was going to leave in December of wait for it 2019 great timing Adrian. that sounds like a great time to quit your job because <laughs> uh, we all know what happened just a few months later but anyways <laughs> i left 2019 riding this cloud of like 2020 is going to be the best year ever i am ready i am so glad by the way and i recommend this regardless of what your situation is like I am so glad that I stocked up on supplies because during the quarantine, a lot of things went out of stock and did yeah. not stock back up again. And on top of that, even if there had been no quarantine, having that extra money on the side to help pay for different things mm -hmm. in 2020 is when Jackie and I entered art space. It helped me pay for rent. Like, yeah, the fact that definitely. I had socked money aside. So it was like less corporate clothing, save it for the art business. So being able to shift some of that money i mean it was it was huge it was huge but yeah december mid-december of 2020 i clocked out for the last time well it wasn't really clock anyways we we're salaried um, <laughs> last anticlimactic yeah sorry i took the <laughs> elevator ride for the last time <laughs> you know riding into the sunset of 2019 yes. with the idea of a business but that's how i did it honestly for me could I have done two jobs? Maybe. And I actually did seriously consider having a part-time job. Not that it would have mattered because I'm COVID, but anyways, <laughs> there have been no COVID. Um, I thought about it, but what I did is I promised myself, and I have to have this discussion at home about budgeting, to give myself at least six months as kind of like an artist residency, now that I think about it where yeah. it was just about making the art, not worrying about the money, not worrying about sales. Yes, I could do events and things like that, but that did not determine what I had to make. So it was mm. honestly about that. Obviously with COVID, I got more than six months of that, <laughs> um, of that focus time, but that's, yeah, that's how I transitioned for me. It wasn't sustainable to do both. 
Um, for me, I am a all or nothing when it comes to art. And that's what I kept yeah. finding. I would spend more time with the business side. Plus, I'm bad about taking work home like not necessarily physically, but also mentally. And like, oh, I got to yeah. call this line. I got to do this. I got to schedule this call. I got to do this presentation. So I kept finding it really hard, even as I was balancing the two to kind of make that division of like, okay, yeah. now shut off the left brain corporate side, turn on the creative side. Right. So I was very clear after a few months in, already in the beginning of the transition that I knew I needed to quit. Um, and that if I did a part-time job, it would have to be something creative, something nice low and stress. fun and low stress. Yeah. yeah. So that it wouldn't permeate my art, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And I think that's a great point that you make in terms of like, similar to my story, like I currently am juggling both. And I think there are a lot of creatives that go in with that of, should I quit my job and go all in right now? Should I transition over a year? Should I transition as long as possible? And that really becomes, I think that's a great distinction of having to kind of have that self-awareness moment of what is possible for you. And everyone's situation is so different, but yeah. How, how much stress is your day job bringing? Are you able to then just click it off and go into another mindset and kind of compartmentalize those aspects of your life and make those decisions based on you because there is no right way of transitioning out of job or balancing both of them. Yeah. And it depends what your lifestyle is like too and what your financial commitments are like. like yeah. Not that many years ago, I left one of my jobs to go backpacking Southeast Asia, but my financial commitments at that time were much, much more manageable than right. what they were when I left this job. Usually there's something called lifestyle creep. Um, the more you make, the more your bills are usually. You, you right. get nicer things, you get bigger things, right? I mean, it's a good problem to have in a way. But it became, a, I can't afford what some artists do where they just quit and then they'll have three side jobs to pay for their bills, to be able to manage it, but then they crash on somebody's couch. I'm like, that's not where I'm at. My level of financial responsibilities is big mm -hmm. enough that I need to have a different system. That's why I had to save money and then make sure I had a plan B. Um, but honestly, what I would recommend to people, especially if you find yourselves that you're more like me, where I'm like, it has to be one or the other. Right. Give yourself time to transition. Don't just quit cold turkey. Yeah. Find that other job. If you have to have another job, find that other job. Or if you're lucky enough, your family can help you through it, at least part of it. Um, find what that other thing is as your plan B. Like in my case, my plan B has always been if I need to, I'll get another job. I have no problems with it. But now that I gave the true blue serious attempt at my art and know what my process is right. like, what my style is like and things like that. Now, at this point where I'm at, so this is what, you know, over a year and a half now, over a year and a half since I quit my job. Um, now, if I were to take a second job, you know, a side job, a side gig, whatever, I know better how to divide the two worlds. Right. Plus, I would pick something creative anyway, so it's not too much of a switch and it wouldn't be as distracting as it would have been back then. Now, had I had my style already, maybe that would have been a different conversation, but um, don't rush the transition. I know artists that take five years, 10 years to transition. There's nothing wrong with that. It's really going to depend on what your situation is, especially if you have kids that you have to you know, provide for, yeah. et cetera. So you can do both. In my particular case, I was lucky enough that I did have a plan B to help me um, and that ability to, okay, I can go back to the workforce if I need to. So right. th there is that. Yeah, exactly. And I think that shift even um, of calling your job, your day job is a really big transition moment in itself. Even if you are transitioning with the hopes of becoming full-time or drug plan on juggling both for a while, at least maybe just because, um, my parents own a small company, especially with you, your family having a small business. I think there's a huge emphasis on like work loyalty and we're a family and 
take one for the team and we're in this together mindset to where I had a really hard problem, even just acknowledging this is my day job and my art business. I almost felt like it was like devaluing my worth in the day job workplace by acknowledging that this is almost like felt like, I don't know, like a bad word or like, I felt like I was offending someone by saying, oh, this is my day job or just my day job. So I think even acknowledging that mental shift is really helpful. Um, But if you are transitioning and going to be full-time artists, what does that really look like? Were there any big surprises once you finally rode that elevator down and made that leap? Like, what does your life look like now outside of the corporate world? Well, I like to joke back in the day where I was like, well, I'm really diving off the edge of a cliff. Yes, there is a little buffer at the bottom, so we're good there. But <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm a fiercely independent person. So I was like, even if I have that plan B we were talking about, I'm like, to me, that's not a forever thing. Right. I want to go back to being able to provide in our household the same way I was before. So I already knew going in, okay, eyes wide open. I know I'm not going to replace my income right away, right? Um, So, you know, I was prepared for that. Again, that's the benefit of also like taking time to transition and not doing it right away. But I would say like one of the biggest surprises for me was, and I did hear this from other artists when I was asking them business questions, is how much time you don't paint. <laughs> In other yes. words, how much time you spend doing all the other business things that have nothing to do with painting, but are for your art business. So I, to me, that was surprising. I was like, oh, no way. Yeah. Like, it'll be like one day a week, I'll do business and things. And the other right. like, four days a week, I'll paint. <laughs> that would be so nice. Imagine. That sounds wonderful. Oh, it does. So (laughs) what I do is I think of it almost like two jobs, still two jobs. Yeah. Um, Literally corporate hat goes on, you know, entrepreneurship (laughs) hat goes on when I'm working on things like newsletter, social media, things like that. And then uh, full steam, you know, full, full speed ahead creative when I'm painting. And what I try to do, and this is not an exact science, but I had to do it at one point. I started tracking how much time I was spending in the studio, like painting and doing painting related things. So even if it's mixing paint or washing or rearranging stuff, that's still studio time um, versus doing everything else. And I started noticing it was a lot more on the admin side, if we can call it that. So I started reshifting things around where sometimes I won't post on social media if it means I have to stop painting when I'm in the group, you know what I mean? Yeah. So sometimes it'll be a few days and I'm like, because if I have to pick between the two, I'm going to pick painting. So I have this unofficial rule uh, for myself, for my current status, where I kind of say 50, 50. So half the time painting, half the time doing the other things. And also I, I've had several times where I'm on the edge of burnout because then I'll spend say eight hours painting, but then also at six hours of social media or you know, newsletter or business things, that's not sustainable in one day. Like, no. Yeah. So I've started to be better about cutting back and saying, okay, when I leave the studio, I'm cutting it off at X time and that's it. I can watch TV, I can do a hobby, I can do whatever, but no more art business related things. Maybe I'll sketch if I really want to, but I I gotta cut it at some point yeah to not make it where i'm working 60 hours a week i mean i still do sometimes but <laughs> i can't help it i'm in the studio yeah. six days a week but trying to find more of that balance yeah yeah and that's almost similar like you were saying when you were in your corporate job and why you felt like you couldn't balance both is that you couldn't turn that corporate mind off, off. and that's mm-hmm. almost the same now and then on steroids because it's your business and you have even more incentive to be fully committed and make it successful. So it's almost, you have, it's good that you were able to recognize that about yourself so you can set those boundaries because yeah, I know so many people are like that, especially for if you own your own business, then it's, you can just work, work, work constantly and then get very burned out very quickly. Yeah. Like, I mean, I got to a point where it's like, I wake up at 7am in the morning and I start working and it's 9 p.m. and I'm still working, you know, on Mm -hmm. my business, whether it's on the painting side or the admin side. So I had to find a way to 
cut some of that back to find a little bit more balance. Um, and I, I think I have, like, I feel good now. Um, but, you know, to, to kind of give you a status of where I am today, it's besides, you know, painting, right, which I do, mm-hmm. I do in a downtown uh, studio over at Art Space uh, in Raleigh, North Carolina, um, which obviously dream come true. And it's public <laughs> facing. So again, people get to walk in and ask questions, which is fantastic. And then um, we get to be next door neighbors, which yep, is exciting. Yep. <laughs> Down the hall, like paper plane distance away from each other. So it's <laughs> awesome. Hollering distance almost. Um, you know, so besides that, I'm also selling in person, which I'm kind of going back from that, from doing events. I'm doing it mostly in the studio. Um, I do sell through other locations like galleries. Um, I, I sell online as well. I teach workshops. I co-host a podcast with Jackie. Obviously, you're listening to it now. Um, we both founded the Level Up Artist Membership for career-minded artists. So we're we're teaching through there too, kind of like what we've learned in our journey. Um, so it is. It's still a lot of hats. There's there's projects that I have like in the air, corporate projects, mural projects. There's there's a lot of it in there. Um, but I would say all in all, you know having to me one of the biggest game changers is the business experience that i have so you know my previous jobs i was working with million and billion i kid you not billion dollar clients and helping them you know with different parts of their retirement plans uh you know investment uh different investment services having that experience honestly has translated and and I'm a marketing major, so there's that too. Having that experience, I think, has translated very well into where I am now and kind of being able to say, okay, I'm gonna set some deadlines because otherwise you can find yourself drifting very easily in an art yeah. job again without a boss telling you what your deadlines are. Using some of that business experience to set deadlines and goals that I can accomplish but also being your own boss, recognizing, okay, I feel burnout creeping around the corner if I don't scale back. Which of these deadlines that I have on the list, which of these to do's are really necessary now versus I can push them a little bit because at right. the end of the day, I'm working for me. So finding that balance, honestly, I think has been one of the biggest kind of uh, learning bits, you know, as yeah. a full-time artist. And, you know, knowing that sometimes I'm like, I'm shutting all that off because I'm just going to paint. <laughs> it's my first job. And you or need that. I can't paint today because I have all these other things to do. So, but being able to have that flexibility and in my case, to be able to say today I work from home, today I work from the studio, today I work from while well, I'm on vacation, you know, whatever it is, or I'm taking two days off in the middle of the week because I feel like it. Um, yeah. Knowing that, honestly, I don't know. It, no, Sorry, I love rambling that. a little bit, but I'm like, I don't no, know. I, I just, love that. I just love it. It's it's still stressful, by the way, knowing because I do have this as my main income source is my art versus having a side job. There's still that stress of like, how did this event perform? Did I sell well? Blah blah blah. Am I on what track to replace my income? Yeah, like that's still a giant you know goal that I have in front of me, and I will reach it. Yes, I will. (laughs) Just please. Um, Working towards it. But having that, you know, having that uh, recognition of like, okay, this is where I'm at. This is where I'm working towards. And having the business experience to help me drive through the tough spots, honestly, has been, it has been huge. And I would not do another job. If I do a side job, it's going to be like, can I do this like temporary? Because if you ask me what my five-year goal is here, I'm going to say like none. It's painting, not this like job. we just. <laughs> I don't plan on being here very long, and I'm just gonna be upfront with you. But I, know. I hope no temporary job. I hope no temporary future employer listens to this because that's gonna be my <laughs> honest answer. I'm gonna be like, no, I plan to not work for anybody else if I can help it. I, yeah, which you know, I think I, I can be a horrible boss and work myself to the bone, but um, I'd rather just work for me, honestly. And yeah, um, the joy and that's that so- the art brings, yeah. And that's so funny that you bring that up though, because that's actually, (laughs) if our listeners have heard other episodes, I am a huge fan of putting quotes on post-it notes. They're like (laughs) all over my apartment, all over my studio. And one of them in my studio is literally, don't be a crappy boss to yourself. (laughs) 
So it's one of those, you're like, I haven't had a break in five days. I've worked 12 hours. I have to get this newsletter out by this time. And you know that you are feeling burnt out. If you were telling your, if you had a boss that was saying, you have to get this done. I don't care if you haven't eaten today. I don't care if you're not sleeping and you're totally burned out. You have to do it. You'd walk away. Yeah. You're a crappy boss. And this is terrible, but we do it to ourselves. And that's like the, such the slippery slope. So I'm sure, especially as now being your own boss, those have been lessons that you've learned, but it's great that you're able to recognize that. Oh, I have, I've I've, (laughs) I've pushed those limits to where I'm like, then I have to take like three days off and just stay home in pajamas and eat ice cream kind of thing. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Those days are nice too. (laughs) Yeah. But then it's like, it's not that creativity goes away, but it's a muscle that needs to be exercised, I feel like. And this yeah. is why I like to paint, draw, sketch something every day. Um, but it's kind of like warming up to that again can take time if you take a you know an extended break. So it's not impossible, but it's a little challenging sometimes. So yeah, yeah I would definitely. say I would say that's the that's one of the biggest things of like being full-time is being cognizant of the fact you're not just going to paint or whatever your discipline is. You're not just right. going to do that. You <laughs> want to run it as a business. What you do might be 50% of the time or less. And you got to be yeah. ready for that. Yeah. Yeah. That is great advice. And so talking to other creatives who may be thinking about transitioning Um, out of their day job or transitioning to prioritize their creative practice with a corporate job, what advice or any like takeaway suggestions would you have for them? I actually have two. Um, The first one is about networking. So network with other artists. I'm not saying you got to go and interrogate them like I did. (laughs) Um, But if you're generous and willing to share Uh, it makes other people more likely to open up and share back. You know, if you go in with that mindset of community over competition, you're going to learn so much more. And especially if you're trying to do art as a business, a lot of us will be happy to share with you. Oh, you want to know what kind of mat or board or canvas or whatever it is we use, or what do we use to keep track, Excel or whatever it is. Like we're more than happy to help you as but please warm us up, you know, don't just say yeah. for stuff. I didn't, by the way, my first <laughs> discussion was rough, but we talked first. Um, <laughs> but I mean, if you're willing to share and say, this is where I come from, this is where I'm at. Yeah, this and is this is I'm why I'm asking these questions. Yeah, like when I was approaching these artists, I told them right off the bat, like, look, I'm in the corporate environment. I've been there over 12 years. I want out, but I need to know that this is possible you know, can you shine a little bit of light up? Yeah, inspire me, please. Yeah, kind of like, can you give me any, you know, any glimmer of hope that this is possible? How did you do it? I'm not here to compete against you. Our art is different anyways. You know, even if it was the same subjects, it's going to appeal to different people. So we're really not competition. So going in with that mindset, I think is really helpful. Um, you know, learn from others and let others learn from you is what that boils down to. The second <laughs> big piece of advice that I would have is hone your business skills, people. So yes. a lot of creatives, I mean, I mentioned Excel and it's like, I don't know, it's, it's, it's like cats that heard there's water coming up, <laughs> yeah, they just run away. Um, you need you need your business skills. I am dead serious. Learn about different apps like Trello. Learn about updating your own website. Like yeah, basically having like, a website. Yeah, learn about general. bookkeeping. Learn about accounting. When you do this as your full time job, even as a side job, but even more when it's a full time job, it is extremely important that you run your business efficiently and legally and <laughs> like a business and streamlined yes whether you're selling i mean some people are like oh but art is different no you could be selling cupcakes you know you'd be selling hot dogs on the corner right it doesn't matter you still have to keep track of your incomes and your expenses and you know what's your profit margin things like that there are bazillion videos on youtube that you can you know you can watch there are programs local and online that you can take. There's a small yeah. business administration office almost everywhere in the States that has online programs that are free or really cheap 
that will teach you all the different aspects of your business, but definitely invest in that. And if you're still doing your other job, maybe do it at the same time as you're doing that so that you're not taking time away from learning the business side because you're distracted with the art side. So maybe yeah. while you have that other job, learn the business bits. Um, they will be, they will come in immensely helpful. Nobody wants to work with that artist that doesn't know where their inventory is. What? How do they price their art? Um, oh, I got to take this painting down from an exhibition because I double booked it and this painting is supposed to be elsewhere. Um, no, you know, that accountant that like will roll their eyes if you show up with a box full of receipts, nobody likes that. And you yeah. don't like it either. And it's going to add more stress to yourself. So I, I would definitely say my second, you know, big recommendation is take the time to learn business skills. And yeah, yeah, I, I mean, definitely. There's as resources. Like, <laughs> yeah. And as like a shameless plug too, that's also why, what inspired us to start this podcast of really making it like tangible, small bits of career-minded artists advice. Um, and so we share things that we're thinking about or that other artists, if you're career-minded should be thinking about, but then in the level of artist membership that we have really showing you what are these behind the scenes documents and spreadsheets look like for us and truly sharing our screen on our calls and saying, this is exactly what we do, how we do mm -hmm. it. And in the mindset of community over competition, yes, we are not the only artists sharing forward all the lessons we've learned along the way. But if we can share a little bit and maybe we watched 20 hours of YouTube videos <laughs> and we're going to consolidate how it applies to the art world today in a one hour video, and that can save that artist nine hours of time and trying to like go through the noise, then that's really what our it's goal is. It. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. in addition to that advice and honing business skills, um, what book recommendations would you have for emerging artists looking to transition? I have two um, that I have handy with me. <laughs> um, the first so one, <laughs> It's like anybody that's like talked to me probably has heard me talk about this book. Um, I just freaking love it. So it's called I'd Rather Be in the Studio, um, The Artist's No Excuse Guide to Self-Promotion by Allison Sanfield. If you are a visual artist, super mega highly recommended. Um, I don't even mark books and this one's marked up to the nines. Yeah. Um, this is a book where she goes into a lot of the different excuses that we make as creatives, like, oh, I'm not, yeah, I'm introverted. I don't know that I can talk to somebody. Oh, I don't know how to do an artist statement. So do I really have to have one? Or, oh, I'm afraid to like, you know, like how do I even have time in the day to do all these things? Like, oh, but I don't have that much money. How do I even get started? I mean, she just goes step by step and yeah. just kind of helps you know, cut back on some of those excuses and has action items. So that's awesome. So that's one. This one's out of print, um, but you can still get the Kindle version and you can probably still find an used one where used books are sold. And then um, the other one that I have, dun, 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 um, it's Keep Going by Austin Kleon, um, 10 Ways to Stay Creative in Good Times and Bad. I really like his books because they're small and they're also very like graphic. Like they have a lot of quotes, they have a lot of illustrations in them. Oh yeah. Um, and cool. they're the kind of books that you can pick it up in any chapter. I mean, yes, you can do it sequentially, but realistically, if you just wanted to grab one, sometimes all I have to do is like pull it up and see one graphic and that's it. That's all I needed and I'm good yeah. to go. So this specific one, um, he's focusing on different ideas and different prompts, especially if you're feeling stuck and like the inner critic is like, you know, knocking on the door. One of my favorite chapters, he goes into like this two shall pass kind of mindset of like, mm -hmm. you're stuck, everything you make, you know, looks like it's terrible. Let's just leave it like that. You know? <laughs> like you just can't crank out your best you know, creative work, you know, kind of thing But he's kind of saying like, yeah, you may feel that pressure, but no, it, it will pass. Like just keep working through it while not judging yourself and not being too harsh on yourself. Just know 
you know, the ups and downs, the downs are part of the creative cycle process. Just keep going. It's an upward cycle, but it's going to have little divots in it. Um, but the way yeah. he puts it, it's like so nice, plain English, fun, you know, I don't know. I really like yeah. his books. He has several and they're all like small and, and easy to read. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. that's so awesome. Thank you so much for sharing those and for sharing your story on today's episode. No, thank you for having me and like letting me like go into all the bits, even the yes. emotional parts. Um, yeah. I love yeah. it. And I think it's so fun, even, I mean, we've known each other for a good amount of time now, but even diving into the history of both of our paths, we still keep learning new things and making kind of those connection points as to like what we're doing now and how it really does link back with our backgrounds. So hopefully that is helpful for other artists as well. But that is it for today's episode. And so as always, our both of our blogs will be linked in the show notes where you can find episode notes, as well as links to the books that Adriana mentioned in today's episode and links to all of our other podcasts. Yeah, and if you wanna stay connected with us in between episodes, uh, share what you've learned, what you liked about the stories, or you know if there's any takeaways from it that you think you could apply to your own career, um, let us know. You can follow us on social media. I'm at Amay Art across all platforms. And I'm at Jay Sanders Studio on all platforms. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week.